Well, folks, it's been a long hiatus, it feels like, but we're finally back in the recording studio. Welcome back to Shoot Side. Welcome back to Hot Takes. Travis, welcome back from hiatus. Yeah, I'm excited to be back. The mic quite literally had dust on it, so I, I, I had to dust it off, but it's exciting to be back. I'm pretty pumped. I'm glad you said that because mine also had dust. It had about three pounds of dog hair. Probably could have made a quilt out of it, but it's good to be back. We we're feeling a lot of pressure from the last, you know, from our three fans that actually listened to this, really wanted to hear our voices again. So to those three of you guys uh, listening out there, this is for you. We're coming back for you. I had I had a few more than three, I'll say, that were just like, when's this starting back? I've been getting some stuff on snapchat i've been getting some chatter people wanting uh, it to come back and it felt good it felt good does it feel like there's more pressure now though to deliver good content because i know like last year when we started hot takes there was you know no pressures like some new idea we're like let's just see if this if people are going to listen to this and even before that in season one when i did it by myself it's like well you know there's no pressure really to deliver we're just going to try it and now because there's a handful of people out there that enjoy this to me i'm not gonna lie when i was getting ready this morning to record this a little nervous i was like boy i'm a little rusty i don't know if i'm really gonna remember how to do this i hope this doesn't suck yeah you kind of like when you're doing it you're in the groove of things and and it it comes a lot easier so i i kind of i kind of felt the same a little bit with some some nerves and then also wanting to deliver but you know, I think for those people who really enjoy it and like it, we are going to start to lean on those people more as far as, you know, give us people you want to hear from as far as like interviews, give us, uh, and a lot of people do that, you know, and the thing about scheduling guests is like, well, it takes another party to jump on board. So some of those people, like, we know you want to hear them. We want to hear them too. They're sometimes they're hard to get, but as far as the hot takes, like give us things like, you know, that you want Ferris and I to talk about that. I guess the idea there is, you know, we call it hot takes, but what we want is like ideas where, you know, there's people that stand on both sides of it. You know, it's, it's more just debate. It doesn't have to be a way out there take that you have, but just something where, you know, you've argued, but we're going to look for the listeners to really, deliver on some of those because a lot of what we had in that previous season was like, man, here's this list of ideas we got. Well, we hammered a lot of those out and yeah, we've got more certainly, but we do want to hear from our listeners, hear what they have to say and let Ferris and I tackle it. And to build on your point, we're not going to mention any names, but there are some highly requested guests that, you know, haven't fully committed yes or no. They're maybe a little bit unsure if they're comfortable coming on. And if you're the listener and you're knowing who we're talking about, like, let them know, let, let those people know that we do really want to hear from them and talk to them and that we're going to value and appreciate their time because this has been such a cool experience, like a melting pot of ideas that sometimes I think just letting folks know that like, Hey, I would like to hear you on this platform can go a long way. Yeah. Peer pressure. Yeah, let them know. Before we get into the episode today, I'd like to thank our title sponsors, The Gene Source. Gene Source, created by Dave and Becky Allen, is located in Nakona, Texas, and they provide beef cattle semen on elite sires from multiple breeds for cattlemen throughout the U.S. Yes, folks, although they are located in Texas, they ship nationwide. They're no strangers to the beef cattle industry, and they're no strangers to the show cattle industry either. Dave and his staff have many years of experience in the purebred, club cap, and commercial industry. And yes, they have raised and shown many national champions, not only in the purebreds. They'd raise a lot of Herefords. You might have heard of Barre cattle. They've also raised several champions in the show steer industry too. Super knowledgeable staff. They know what's going on. Their bulls are selected from all over the country. They fit many different needs and scenarios. You can call Dave or anyone on the team. I normally deal with Drew and chat them up about what you need and get your semen ordered. I buy a lot of semen from Gene Source. They're kind of my go-to, and especially if you want some of those Texas sires, that's my favorite place to buy. Give them a call. Check them out. The Gene Source, they're on Facebook. They have a website. Give them a shout and tell them Shootside sent you. And 
another thing is in the sense of selfless uh, self-promotion, I guess, we do have a merch store now. Uh, we announced that at the end of last season. Got some cool swag because I, when I took a hiatus from shoots out, I've more or less taken a hiatus from social media in general. Travis, how do we buy merch? I don't even know. Yeah, the thing about it is, so, I, and I've put it on Facebook, and that's probably the easiest place to find it because you can just scroll back and post, and you can just click on the link to go. Um, we ought to pin it. You ought to pin it to the top. Yeah, or yeah, I'll do that. That's a good idea. That's probably going to be the easiest because you know, on Instagram, we're constantly changing the link that you put on there to like a link to the episode, uh, newest episode. So. Facebook's probably going to be the easiest place. I'll, I'll pin that to the top where where you can just immediately see that. But and one thing too to keep in mind, and we've heard some people say it, and it was it, because we were bringing merch at the end of a season, we didn't probably get to explain this obviously. But the way I think that works, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ferris, but they let orders kind of build up over maybe a two week ish period, and then then they ship stuff out, and then you know. Shipping is seven to 10 business days, typically. I, and I think COVID has really slowed down a lot of a lot of mail. At least I've seen that on other things. So, you know, from point of purchase to, you know, actually getting it, it could take a potential month. I mean, and, and I've done two orders myself. I've received my stuff and, you know, both orders have taken a while. So just keep that in mind. That's just kind of how that deal works. No, that's exactly right. And we didn't probably warn the listeners. And I've had several conversations with Todd at Custom Tees, who uh, does our merch store. I think he does Brad Hook's merch store and does a couple other ones. I think he does Steerwaltz as well. But they do let it accumulate and then they do a run every two weeks. And then if anyone's mailed anything via USPS in the last nine months, you can understand. I just got a check here last week from someone that sent it like in early January. We're recording, by the way, on February 15th. So it took 30 days and the guy lives 45 minutes from me. So patience is key. Also, if your order doesn't show up, feel free to email or contact those folks at Custom Tees of Middle Georgia because they will get your order handled. They will take care of it. There's so many tracking numbers. It sounds like it's it's difficult to know when it shows up, but if you give them a tracking number, say, hey, I'm looking for my order, they can kind of tell you where it is and support and help you. They're really good people, salt-of-the-earth people. So thanks to Todd and those folks, but be patient and order in advance. It's not like the stuff's on a shelf where they just pick it and mail it. They print it specifically for you. It really is a custom tea, I guess. Yeah. It's made just for you. <laughs> That's right. When we're prepping for this episode earlier today, Travis, you said that you had uh, like a story or something you wanted to share. You kind of yeah. got into it. If you guys can't remember or unwilling to remember by the time this podcast airs on February 15th, the entire country is pretty much in winter storm warning blizzard with the exception of uh, California, which we have our own storm of issues out here, but it, it's not of the winter snow or ice variety. So Travis, uh, w- what do you have to share with the listeners today? Yeah, it's funny you say that California's electrical grid is kind of like what the, that's an everyday California thing as to like what it is currently in all these other states. Uh, so y'all are just used to like rolling blackouts and things like that. That's that's Absolutely. No but uh, yeah, so we're in the middle of this deal, in the middle of this winter deal, and we live in the, the tip top panhandle of Texas, basically on the border of Oklahoma in the panhandle. So cold weather is fairly normal and, and it's probably snowed seven or eight times this year thus far or, you know, this winter, I should say. But yeah, obviously it, this is next level. You know, last night it was you know, negative 15 and wind chills, negative 25, negative 30. So it's a little next level cold. And since we were last on the podcast, I've kind of dove into being a little bit of a show dad now. My daughter's four, uh, about to be five. 
And uh, so we got her a little heifer and uh, have a buddy that my father-in-law sent along for her. So we got a couple of heifers up here and I had to do a little more cowboy in yesterday than maybe what I was prepped for. I uh, went out to feed and we had one just bloated up as bad. I mean, it looked like she may start to lift off the ground, you know, and <laughs> when I went back and I was explaining it to my daughter, because she, she wasn't going out there at that point, obviously, as cold as it was. She asked if it was like uh, Willy Wonka when the girl becomes the, uh, the blueberry. And I was right. like, that is very close to what it is. But uh, I, I've come to the realization in this whole process that I just don't have all of the things. Like you you grow up in a show barn and like you just have all the things that you need. And when you start from zero, whether it's show products or just basic everyday things, you realize that you are starting truly from zero. And uh, you realize all the things you don't have when you need them the most. So I rush back to the house and I'm cutting a water hose, you know, to try and alleviate, you know, alleviate this bloat and calling the vet who's out hauling water to his own cows, trying to get mineral oil and it was an absolute process. And it was Sunday, everything's closed, but we finally got that all alleviated. And then, uh, and then she, and then the heifer's kind of in shock and shivering and windshields negative 20. And I got my wife out there who was being a total trooper. At one point, my eyelashes were, were freezing together. And so, like, I couldn't, like, my decisions were to like basically rip eyelashes out and open my eyes or do it with them like partially closed. So it was a whole process, but we have uh, currently have uh, two healthy heifers. So I think we're in the clear right now, but man, yesterday was not a fun day. It seems like instances like that, this cold weather stories, first off, obviously said it before from California, positive 20 is really, really cold to me. I can't imagine what negative 20 is. And and I've talked to several folks this week in the last probably 10, 12 days from the Midwest, and uh, their nonchalantness about, you know, ah, it's zero outside really baffles me. Because when it starts creeping lower than like 30, if I have to chop ice, like that's unusual around here, chopping ice. And normally I can just like push it with my hand and it's like, Bro, it's not serious ice. But would you say like weather like that is serious like gut check time on how much you love it? Because I can personally say if I had to deal with that weather, I don't love it that much. I, I would do some, literally anything else. Yeah, see, I think I think it's all about infrastructure. So like, like basically nobody is equipped for like what we just saw. Like, the Midwest to like up in like the Dakotas and all that, like when they are, you know, temperatures are negative 20 net, you know, and wind chills of negative 40, 50, like, like even though it gets very cold and very consistently cold there throughout the winter, it's like, even that's next level. And like, they're not built for that. Like down to like where I'm at, which is like still like we have distinct winters and have quite a bit of snow throughout the winter. It's like, yeah, we're not prepped for like negative 15. And like now you're seeing it where it's like all these guys in South Texas that like they don't hit freezing very much. And they're down like in single digits. Like they don't have the infrastructure for that. And, and like, you know, usually like I can handle the cold, but that, I don't know. I, it is gut check time and you know, uh, it does make you question it for a little bit. It's like, what did I get myself into? Cause my whole idea was on the heifer deals. Like I knew that I was getting in to something where it was like, you know, I'm doing a little, like my daughter can't show really like maybe a few jackpots here and there. And we may do that this summer. We may not, but I just kind of wanted to like get her used to it. Right. Get her like, just playing with them out, you know, like used to it to where like, as we get closer to these ages, like when she hits nine, 
or third grade or whatever. And she's ready to like fully like show, you know, like she's already got it. And that was kind of my thought. But yesterday I was questioning my decisions. (laughs) Well, you were out there for the love of the game, probably the love of your daughter. And I like how you're just taking some time to get her used to it and liking it. I find that the kids that end up being the most successful, it's the ones that are passionate that weren't necessarily like forced into it. You know what I mean? Like they, like they just, they're out there having fun and you know, whatever the results may be, you know, when they're six years old, like who cares? Just let them go out there and enjoy it. I know that's how my, you know, affection for this uh, business started was just because like doing it again, don't like it enough to be out there when it's negative 30, but you know, like it when the weather is, you know, decent. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll deal with the wildfires, but not the ice and snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I want no part of wildfires, but this ice and snow was, uh, it's a little next level. We don't, we currently don't have water in our kitchen in the process of like, you know, the freak out, the trying to get warm water to go drench the heifer with and everything. We shut off the water from dripping in our kitchen. And, you know, we were out there for four five, six hours doing all this stuff and checking on her, making sure she's fine and, you know, all the things you do. And then when we got back, we discovered we still got water in our bathroom, but the water run into the kitchen is is frozen. So uh, in, in fixing one issue, we created another. So, so are you going to have like some busted pipes and things you need to deal with? We could be getting into that. We're going to cross our fingers that we avoid the busted pipes, but you look like a man of several talents or a couple talents, but plumbing doesn't appear to be one of them. Just visually. I'm not, that's I'm a, not, that's uh, a fair, that's a much, fair but. assessment. You know, most <laughs> manual labor doesn't agree with me, but you know, you are a banker, but plumbing is certainly one, you know. I just don't have the I don't have the plumber's crack for it. <laughs> Let's get into the meat of today's episode. And what I think we're trying to accomplish, 2020 brought a multitude of changes in all different facets. And one of those was some of these shows, these stalwart shows uh, that we relied on every year, the ones that we look forward to going to every year being canceled for whatever reason. And uh, kind of varied case by case. Uh, And then what really came out of those in a lot of situations was really cool were placement shows that people really liked. And what we're going to kind of talk about today, we're going to focus on two of them, which is Cattlemen's Congress, which last season we had Tyler Norvell and he was integral in Cattlemen's Congress, same as he was in OIE, same as he was in CYE out here in California. And then coming up later this season, we're going to have Shane Meyer on. And he was integral with his team on producing The Patriot, which was a replacement show. Or, um, you know, I don't know if I want to call them replacements just yet, but a show that took the place of Fort Worth for the calendar year of 2021. And we're going to talk to those guys about it. But we went to those shows. Well, I didn't go to the Patriot. Did you go to Congress? I didn't get to go to Congress, uh, but uh, I did go to the Patriot. We're going to kind of recap our experiences at those shows, what we liked, what we didn't like, which there wasn't much. I I just, I guess I didn't care for, but, and talk about maybe what these situations look like moving forward and how exciting that we feel it is that there's different options and opportunities out there. Should we start with the Congress or do you want to start with the Patriot? Yeah, you, why don't you kind of get into the Congress and kind of talk about that? And I've got quite a bit on, on the Patriot. Sure. So I want to preface my comments with I was only there for the last week. So I missed out on the bull displays, the yard displays, the breeding cattle shows. We were there for the fat steer shows and the prospect steer shows. And I've been to the Oklahoma City fairgrounds before. It's a huge facility, and I would like, first and foremost, it was run extremely well. I think the big advantage or thing that I took away from Congress was you could tell that the folks putting it on had very good plans. They've thought about a lot of things, and they really wanted you to be there. Facility-wise, 
comparable to Denver, in my opinion, at least the old Denver. We know that they're rehabbing and revamping the entire yards. I don't know if you've seen the some of the pictures that I think it was like the Showtimes put up, but what they've done in the yards at Denver looks absolutely incredible in terms of the new facilities and things. But really like just, I mean, on a pure, simple, basic level, the fact that at Oklahoma City, you can park like 100 yards from where your barn is. You don't pay for parking. You don't have to pay for entrance. Hotel rooms are close. They were cost effective. Lots of places to eat, things like that. And the facilities were fine. Maybe there was some talk that there was issues with power. You had to run basically everything off generators. But, you know, we also bring like, you know, 15 blowers to these shows anymore too, which, you know, I guess if you want to run single blowers, you could probably get away with it. But really good experience. Everything was run very smoothly. Everything felt like it was on time. And if you've never been to a show run by like Norvell's crew, like that OIE crew, there's like a lot of technological things that they do that I think are really cool. Like you turn in your way cards with like a QR code on your phone. Like everything's on, like you don't have to go up. They still took the cattle up to classify, but you could check in, do all that stuff from your phone. And it just felt like very seamless, easy, like no, like where's the office? Where do I have to go for all this stuff? Like everything was done from your stall. So you could really focus on whatever you felt like your purpose was there. I mean, some people go just to show, some people are there to try to compete. All of that's good and great, but it was just very easy, very uh, seamless. I will say that I've talked to other people that were there before and like the before I was that week and a lot of the similar types comments like easy to get in easy to get out the folks that I know that had sales there sounds like the sales went very very well and that's you know maybe a question I had going in is like how much how many transactions because Denver was kind of a place where a lot of transactions occurred it sounds like uh, transactionally things went very well And the show, generally speaking, was a success. I do think Denver has an advantage in terms of nostalgia, though. There's just something about being on the hill, something being in the yards. And I know they've changed the face and the look of the yards, but Denver has that feel. And I don't know that... Same as uh, when you go to Louisville and you're down there on the green bark and they have the organ playing. Like There's that feel, that nostalgia, that is incredibly hard to replicate and replace. And frankly, it's probably not something that they can replace, right? How do you replace that feel of the yards or, you know, the way the display bowls are set up and things like that in Denver? I I don't know that it is possible. And it's maybe it was a wise choice on that crew to not try to do that, right? Like they went a completely different direction and it was a very good direction. I think it'll be interesting to see how things move forward. Speaking specifically of the steer show, you can't argue the fact that the Denver premium sale is a lot more lucrative than what they had at Congress this year. And that's to nobody's fault. It's a first year. I commend those guys for raising as much money as they did. But it'll be interesting as we move forward because, let's face it, these steers are expensive the top caliber. These people have a lot of money in them. And if you're going to give a lot of these families the option of, hey, I'm going to go try to win $200,000 versus $25,000. I know there's a lot of them out that are going to take the $200,000 option to try to win and pay for parking and have the kids fit them themselves. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a business decision. I'm going to pay for my parking and my badge at Denver. And I'm going to go try to win 200000 instead of 25000 I will say that the fact that, for those that are unaware, at Denver, every steer that shows, if you don't make the sale, they go out back, they get on the on a semi, and they're gone, and you get paid floor price for them. Now, was that supposed to change this year, though, if Denver were to go on? I don't know, but that's how it's historically been. Maybe that's something we need to fact check. So perhaps that did change. But it, it, you're right. It has always been like that. I can't remember. It's always been. There was talk that maybe it was going to change, but I didn't know if that was for 2021. Obviously, it gets canceled. But like, 
I don't know, but yes, it's it has been like that. I will say that the fact that well, Congress was a was not a terminal show. Like the, all the cattle went home, but they didn't even have a truck to put them on there. If like I mean, we brought some from California. And we're like, I don't know what to you know. Like we want to leave them here. One of them went to the sale barn uh, right down the road. But the point is because that it was non-terminal and maybe it was the proximity to Texas, but Congress got a lot of those really good Texas steers that were maybe targeted for Fort Worth slash Patriot San Antonio to come up and show. And that was made that steer show extremely competitive because they get to keep their bullets. You know, they didn't have to bring one and, Denver is so competitive that you could have one there that you as any steer show that major steer show thinking that you have one that's quality enough to win or do damage and he's third fourth fifth in class and guess what he gets on the semi he goes to town you don't get a second chance so I thought that was really cool I thought that was a distinct advantage of Congress as well but you know to say which one I like better I don't know and even if it's like what I think about in Texas is, and you take a lot of these families that, you know, one kid may have four or five steers. They may have one kind of for every major, but what we don't have in Texas is that is another haired show. So, you know, like we cut off a lot of good hair and there's cattle that, yeah, like maybe that's your slicking one. Maybe that's your San Angelo steer. What like a cattleman's congress or denver if it wasn't terminal would allow for is maybe you got one still geared for fort worth and you don't want to risk hauling him anywhere you know and putting him through the whole show deal and then you know coming back home and trying to get him back ready i know that a lot of people would kind of pump their brakes to that because you could certainly throw cattle off by doing it but what it would allow for is take one that maybe is your San Angelo, San Antonio one or something like that, that's still relatively close to that Congress state, take them there with hair and show them and then be able to bring them home and still either, you know, show them at a Fort Worth or Patriot or slick them off. So that non-terminal deal, I think is hugely important for those steer shows, makes good logical sense. And should get a lot of Texas people with other steers they have there and make that show, you know, that much bigger, that much better. No, I agree. And a couple other comments about Congress versus Denver. Big difference was Congress, it was open fit, kind of like they run OIE, kind of like they do things in Oklahoma. I don't know that I necessarily have a huge preference. I guess you could take some families with kids, and we've had this conversation on this platform before about fit versus no fit. Some of those kids that maybe aren't as developed in, in their technique and their skill set can go to Congress. I think they got more numbers that way. But again, there's something nostalgic about Denver where it's the kids and the families getting in there and doing it. Maybe something that I wasn't planning for that I thought was that I didn't realize until I got there was. The OKC fairgrounds are very big and they're spread out relative to Denver. And they kind of let you stall wherever you want. I mean, that's kind of how Oklahoma City and that crew operates. It's like, you know, within reason, you know, make yourself at home, do your thing. You want to stall here, you want to stall there, whatever you want to do, do your thing. Just be respectful and, and, and be a good human. Versus Denver, where they assign you kind of get assigned stalls and all those fat steers are all like within one barn. Like we didn't see anybody other than the people we were stalled with hardly. And like there was maybe more, or I shouldn't say more. There's like a lack of camaraderie. Like you go to Denver and you get to see a bunch of people and talk to a bunch of people. Cause you're right on top of each other. And maybe with COVID, it, it, you know, there could be the argument that yeah, spread everyone out or maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But in Denver, you get to see a lot of people you haven't seen in a long time because you can't help but run into them because you guys are all stalled right there. Whereas the fats at Congress were spread out over five different barns and you kind of just felt like you were on an island. Like I didn't hardly see anybody like with any meaningful time that I was there. 
other than the people I came with. You know, it's funny. I totally agree with that. And I even noticed that at Fort Worth last year when we changed like the rings that we showed them in is like there were just like these like bottleneck points where like you saw people up like up at the ring and you talked to people and and then all of a sudden they moved it to another place and like those bottlenecks were like gone. And like, I was like, man, I I didn't see like a bunch of people that like I always see, you know, and that's one part I don't love, but it's interesting. You bring up nostalgia and and I'm not going to like advocate for like one show or the other or whatever, or say only one should exist or, or anything, but the nostalgia part is an interesting part. And I think it's funny that you specifically brought up Louisville and it's like, there was a point in time like Louisville didn't exist, you know, and that show was Chicago. Like there is a group of people out there and like, you know, those people because time is undefeated are becoming lesser. But there was a time that like Chicago was nostalgia and leaving that and like Louisville was new and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, like this new culture grows up in Louisville and then it's like, no, Louisville's nostalgia. And so I think as an industry, we are going to have to take a long, hard look at the nostalgia of things and maybe have to accept like in some places, in some instances, like that's going to have to go away. And it's unfortunate. And like y'all have probably seen it in California as much as anything, where when there's maybe cities or governments or whatever it is that that you know, it takes a little bit to run a show or at least it takes a thumbs up from different things to, to run a show when those things quit, you know, having your back, it really can make shows die out over time. And California is probably one of the biggest places of like, you know, Cal palace. I know like at one point that was a huge thing. Like it was an enormous show and it's like, does it exist anymore? I mean, like, does it still? No, I mean, I think they still have a show. I haven't been in a couple of years, but for those that never been to Cow Palace, they had uh, yards, like a stockyard. Like it almost felt like a mini Denver. A barn was up on the hill. Weather was actually pretty nice. The San Francisco Bay Area is a very tepid climate, but, you know, they've tore out all those yards. I think they lease it to a rental car deal. And that nostalgia was different or that deterioration of nostalgia to me was different because over my lifetime, you saw it decrease year over year. When I was a kid, you know, it was a huge show. I mean, this is back in the day when like shorthorn steers, like double stuffs were winning. You know what I mean? Like it was a different time. If you wanted to steer that a pin show, like you, you could buy your calf. I bought a lot of calves there, all that kind of stuff. But over time, the nostalgia deteriorated because of management or whatever it may be. I, I really don't know, nor do I care to get into it, which I think is different than like the nostalgia effect that we're currently experiencing with Denver because the lights got shut off. You know what I mean? It was like instant, like there's no show this year. And it's of no fault of like the people at the National Western, from my understanding, just like maybe going back to Houston, it wasn't their fault when it was getting shut down. Like when those things were getting shut down, it wasn't any fault of the people running the show. And it's certainly nothing against them. There's no question like those people fought for stuff uh, as much as you could. I do think something to like take into account is like you talk about like the slow kind of progression of like, okay, year over year, this is starting to lose steam. And I, I guess what this whole situation has opened my eyes to is saying like, that's not off the table. And that's a little like a scary thought. And it's like, yes, like obviously this is like, you know, at least we certainly hope like a one in 100 year pandemic that just, rattles everything but what's the next thing or what's you know what are the things i guess because you know we rely a lot on cities to host these events right like that's the the kind of infrastructure of hotels and restaurants and facilities and things like that 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 kind of fit a lot of these deals but we are gonna i think take have to take a hard look of like okay like what cities what places what organizations like have the back of like this industry because 
like we're gonna we are gonna have to support those because it may not be a pandemic, you know, sickness, but you know, what's the next thing, right? Like who's yelling from the mountaintops that like cow farts are killing the earth or something. I mean, it, it's always something. And, and I think we got to just be conscious of like, okay, when there are people, you brought up Tyler Norvell, Shane Myers, a great one. Like when there are people and things like that, that like step up and like take things on, it's like, we do need to be majorly supportive of like what they do because like we could be looking at the future of how we go forward. And, you know, maybe not, maybe everything goes back to normal, but I do think there's an element there where it's like, we got to be supportive of those things because that could be how we do it in the future. No, I agree. I think that's a good point. Now that you brought Shane up, I mean, I didn't go to the Patriot, heard very good things about the way that show was ran. A lot of positive feedback. Don't think I heard really much negative feedback. Why don't you give us your experience about what you saw down there in Abilene? Yeah, so the Patriot one, I want to say like it it was just, it was phenomenally put on, I think much like you spoke to on Cattlemen's Congress. And like one big thing that I notice is like when you let stock show people put on a stock show, they put it on for stock show people. And, you know, it's like little things that, that you're just like, man, like, why don't we do everything like that? Like, why not? You know? And, and I think there was a lot of those little details and I'll miss a bunch of them, but a lot of those little details that I think are huge. One of them, I would say like, and this is, this doesn't necessarily come from me as much as it comes from like, people who had like kids there showing, but like on the setup into things like they let cattle come in uh, or they let uh, like a setup day for tack prior to any cattle. So like everybody got there, like set up their stalls. And like, I think everybody's very content with like, yeah, if I have to wait in a long, if I have to wait in a line for a while to get up there to set up tack, like it's fine. Cause like, I don't have like expensive cattle sitting on the trailer. It's like, I just have a trailer full of tack, like whatever. They're cool sitting there. It's all good. It's when there's cattle on the trailer where you probably get a little antsier. And then the next day they have cattle come in. Well, everybody's all set up. So I mean, like trailer roll up, lead them off the trailer. You know, you're taking them into stalls that are already set up. Like, I mean, from what I heard, it was just like that ran unbelievably. One thing I noticed and like, as I think about it now with like young kids and like, you know, getting closer to show and I got nieces and nephews that are young was like the staging process. So like at these Texas majors, like they always like, like prior to going into the ring, there's like a separation of like a handler or like a parent and the kid and the animal for like an entire class prior to their class. And like they let handlers go like leading up to the class and then just kind of like cut them off like, you know, before obviously the calf went in and there wasn't any like tailing cattle in, you know, and like that staging area was kind of blocked with like banners and stuff like that. So like you couldn't see like people back there, which I think is good. And there's no tailing them in, which I certainly think is good. But I think about it like this, like you have a nine year old back there. Right. And these classes at these Texas majors, like some of them last. I mean, if there's, you know, 60, 70 head in there, they last almost an hour. And then that kid's in there for almost an hour. And like, take like a nine-year-old kid and like, this is their first time on the big stage. It's like, you're asking this kid to like handle this, like, you know, obviously animal that could just swallow them up and like ask them to be back there by themselves now for two hours. And like, I've just never understood why that needed to occur in the way that it does you know, and they didn't do it that way. And I just thought that was like significantly better. It, like to me is like, why don't we always do this? You know, uh, it just makes more sense. I thought a lot less cattle got away. And I, I don't know if that was just, you know, kind of a, a not really a, like, you know, not necessarily like maybe just an observation that it wasn't backed by anything. Not like I counted them and have previously counted them. Just seemed like cattle got away significantly less in the ring, which I don't know, maybe that's the kid being calmer. I don't know what that, I don't know if that staging and that went hand in hand, but 
it seemed like that occurred. So I think that was a good thing. Kind of looking at my list here of stuff I put together. One thing I will say, though, that they attempted to do, but I still think there's improvement upon it. And those out of Texas may not do this as much. I don't know exactly what the process is in other states, but like in a classification, as I think you know, Ferris, like in, you take cattle up to be classified and there's three classifiers, right? And these cattle aren't papered or registered or whatever. They're, you know, you're just saying like, this is a Hereford. They're looking at them and saying, does this look like a Hereford? They're supposed to be kind of written thing, the written thing to kind of that they're supposed to go off of. I'm not saying they always do or don't or whatever, but, and what they do is they drop like poker chips, red and green poker chips into a coffee can. And if you get two reds, then they're classing you out. That to me, what they did is they did red and green poker chips, but instead of doing it in a coffee can, they did it in a clear, like kind of like Tupperware. I think the thought there was, um, okay, people will see who classed you in and who classed you out, right? I don't know that it worked like that because what it it seemed like classifiers did was like all put them in at the same time. So it's like, you couldn't really tell. Like you just like, it was like a dash and it was like, okay, well, I, I have no idea who did it. But like for people outside of Texas, like that classification is like a, it's a big deal. Well, didn't they make the exhibitor bring their calf through this year? Because it's like at Fort Worth, like anyone can lead them through, I think, right? Right, right. So you can have like an adult like leading them through or whatever. The big thing there is, you know, a lot of people talk about politics, like thinking a judge is going to politic them. You'll get politicked in the classification line for good or bad way faster. You're going to get politicked by a judge. I'm just, I'm here to tell you. And to me, I think, I think the new standard should be now. I I don't know. Maybe you couldn't get classifiers if you did this, but I think you go ping pong paddles, red and green on each side. And you look at the calf and then you hold up what you think, you know, if you're going to class them out, you hold up red, like then everybody, everybody can see who does it, who doesn't. And a little bit of my thought process there is like, Okay, like if you're going to make this decision, like the judge has to stand by the decisions they make, right? Like, so, you know, if they're putting one third that people thought should have won, then everybody can be like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, that one should have started. Well, the judge has to stand by that. To me, on the classifying thing, where I, I think, and not always, but certainly sometimes, maybe some shady things happen, like, or, or benefits are given to some and not others. I do think it's like, okay, like we're just going to see who does it. You know, we're going to see who does it and you have to stand by what you do. Let me interject. Would you say that you feel like it's more important to do it that way, especially at shows such as Fort Worth, where if you class out, you load your calf back in a trailer and you go home, like you don't even get a shot to show like that's rough. Yes. And, and I will I was probably going to transition not all into of them that, are that way. That was different. Yeah. Right. Not all of them are that way, but Fort Worth, like you spent 20 hours in line, you set up and you get classed out for some, you know, I would say generally speaking, probably legitimate reasons, but you know, there's whatever reasons. And then you got to load your calf back in the trailer, pack your stuff up and hit the highway. That would be awful. Yeah. And, to speak to that, that's what happened to me my senior year. So I had an American my senior year. I go in, I get classed out. I don't get a show there my senior year. And like Fort Worth, all of a sudden it hits you. It's like, well, last time I walked in that ring was my junior year. Like, that's it. It's over. Like, yeah, like, is that America? Like, that was something good about the Patriot that I'll, they deserve all the credit for. It. Let me ask you this. Did that steer classify at the other majors you took him to? Yep. Uh, made the sale at Houston. He classed in. And in Houston, they break up those American breeds. So you can go, you know, Gert, Simbra, Brangus, Brahmin, you know, all of them. And then there's ABC, which is kind of like the spillover or whatever. But, and I'm trying to remember if if we may have just ran an ABC there. But he classed in and, and made the sale there. But I'll say this. I am probably a little sour. We had a really good American for Fort Worth or what we felt like. And, you know, it's one of those that got classed out. And it's one of those things like, hey, it's the game you play. It happens sometimes. But 
you know, I don't know. And now I'm probably getting on a tangent that like some of our Midwestern people certainly could care less about, but like on American cattle that are Brahmin influenced, like when you take cattle like that, like let's say to like the sale barn up like where I'm at, those cattle typically like receive like a discount. Like, and what I mean by that is, you know, like those cattle are just, they're not quite bid on as hard. And, and I, some of the thought process there from like cattle buyers and stuff is like, oh, maybe these cattle won't grade as well. And I actually think some of that is starting to die. Like those cattle have like improved so much that like that maybe doesn't get applied as much. But but in our area, it still kind of holds true. And to me, I just think like if I drag a calf through classification and like that calf would, you know, maybe take a hit at the sale barn because he shows like American influence, then like he should classify in. Like we're getting cute if we're doing anything else. Like, and I certainly thought that about our specific steer and just kind of getting back to not being like whiny about our situation, but like actually how it applies to like running a show is like, I just think people should have to stand by it. And I think running the paddles is like, well, somebody's got to stand by it. And I think people are going to be a little bit more like, hey, let's look at this calf. And it's like, does this thing truly classify? And, you know, I want to say the number, and and I don't know if this is true, just what I heard is that they kicked out like 38% of the Americans. It's like, when a number's that high, it's like, okay, well, you just, you went over. Where did they kick out 38%? At the Patriot, sorry. Which isn't any fault of the Patriot, right? Like they just, they obviously just pick guys classifying. They have no idea like what it's going to be, but. But at the Patriot, they still got the show in the exotics, didn't they? They did. And I think at that point, like you can make the decision, like, do I want to go show in the exotics? Like I'm going to be right in the heat of them. Like I'm going to be like, you know, class 10, 11. Do I want to actually go do that? Like I've got no shot. Well, at least it does leave it to those kids to make that decision, which I think's good. Like if it's a senior and they just want one more time out there, like go for it. Like, you know, if you don't want to mess with it, don't mess with it. But like, that's a big upgrade over Fort Worth where it's like, yeah, if you don't class in, they just like kick you out, which like that makes no sense to me. I mean, it's just like, what did you achieve by doing that? So, you know, I I think that's a huge upgrade on the Patriot side of things. No, I agree. And like we said, and we got Shane coming on here soon to record and talk about the Patriot and his experience with the Battle of the Cattle series and all the shows and, and things that he's put on down there in Texas that people have great adoration for. But I think these shows, these this new blood coming in, I think it's a good thing. You know, I think options are good. I think competitiveness is good, not only within the show ring, but amongst uh, these shows that are vying for our attention, vying for our dollars, uh, vying for our time. I think it's a good thing and, and I welcome it. It'll be interesting to see how in the future next year, how these shows progress and what are some of the uh, attributes, options that they will provide for people to go show to. You know, I, I guess my one hope is in the event that these shows are put on at the same dates right on top of each other, that they don't cannibalize. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'd almost like them to be different times. You know what I mean? Or maybe a week or two apart. Maybe someone would want to go to both of them, you know? Yeah, I kind of hope for that, too. It's like I'm not cheering against any shows specifically. It, you know, and I like we've spoke to is like a lot of that stuff was like out of these shows control, like they couldn't do anything. So it's like I could sit here and be mad at Denver, but like or the National Western, but it's like, well, really more like the city of Denver or like the state of Colorado or something like, like that's probably what I should like actually be angry at, I guess you could say. But I do kind of hope they don't necessarily cannibalize each other, but I do think like something to just be cognizant of is like, we're going into, we're going into a world a little bit where, like I spoke to earlier, I was like, this could be the future. And like, there are places and people and politicians or whatever who have like, they've shown their hand a little bit and like, and other people on the other side of that, that's been like, you know, we didn't even speak to like all the shows that like occurred like late fall, early winter that like also made it work and like deserve like immense amounts of credit, like American Royal, Tulsa, State Fair of Texas, like 
the people who put those on and like, you know, they had people in masks or they did the show a little bit longer to facilitate things or they, you know, they changed schedules. They changed those people deserve a lot of credit too. But like those people showed us their hand, like the Norvells and the Shane Myers of the world, they showed us their hand. And then like the other people who like maybe didn't, and a lot of those aren't necessarily show people, but it's like, we need to be cognizant of like the, a little bit of, I guess you could call it good guys and bad guys, because going forward, like maybe it's not COVID-19, but there's something else lurking. You know, we don't want to go down that road and we need to support the people who stepped up. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think the exciting thing as we kind of wrap this up here is, you know, Congress and the Patriot were put on with pretty short notice. I mean, they didn't have a lot of time to prepare. And those shows were run very, very well. You know, Congress, Norvell and his crew, they put on several shows a year. They have a system. It obviously works. Shane, same thing. And to me, what's exciting is if these shows continue, and we can ask Shane point blank when he comes on, if they decide to continue, how exciting is that after a year of operations under their belt? Like, how much better those shows could be and how good that is for the industry that not only are these new shows growing and learning, but I think it'll help and benefit some of the other shows because they're going to want to keep some of their market share too, right? Like they're not going to just lay over. I I wouldn't imagine, you know, your Denver's or Fort Worth's, like they're going to be forced to improve on their operations and their experience as well. Yeah, we really haven't maybe always push those shows to adapt or or maybe they haven't had to adapt. But you didn't like, need to. Yeah, exactly. But you get these guys in here like, you know, the Shanes and, and the Tylers and their teams and they're doing stuff different and cool and new age. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, buddy, like, you know, all they got to do is like another year of like maybe raising money or whatever. And uh, they're the real deal, like because they do it the best way. So, yeah, I think it, it only helps. That's for sure. I agree. Well, with that, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Back to first episode of season three of Shoot Side and Hot Takes. As always, if you have any questions, comments, anything like that, hit us up at uh, shootsidepodcast at gmail.com. Shootside Podcast, Facebook and Instagram too, right, Begley? Yes. Those are our handles. You can DM us there. Check out the merch store. Uh, and if you like what you're hearing, We'd appreciate a quality review on your favorite listening platform, but we have a great season in store. It's good to be back in the studio and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Mm